everybody. Welcome to episode number 61 of the John Riley Project. Today is Independence Day. It's July 4th, 2019. We are broadcasting, as we always do, from Poway, California, the city in the country. Boy, we've got a lot to get into today. You know, it's Independence Day. You know, this podcast is all about a higher purpose of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So this is a big day. It's a big day for me. Hopefully, it's a big day for you. There's a lot I want to get into in this podcast. We're going to talk about Congressman Justin Amash and some breaking news on him. We're going to talk about the Declaration of Independence and what that means. We're going to get into a couple of the hot news of the day, some up in D.C. and even some local news here in Poway. But let's really dive in right away um, about Congressman Justin Amash. He's the Republican congressman from the state of Michigan. And I really should say now a former Republican. He has declared his independence from the Republican Party. And this was breaking news this morning, and it's perfect that it comes out on July 4th. And, you know, Justin Amash is the principally minded, libertarian leaning Republican from Michigan. He's a big constitutional guy, big Bill of Rights guy, free market guy. Um, And he got into a lot of heat with his fellow Republicans when he was calling for the beginning of impeachment procedures against President Trump. And Amash, who I give great credit to for being so principally minded, so focused on the Constitution and truly on the rule of law, um, I believe he was in the right. And now the whole party is turning against him. And so he just said, you know, enough of this. Um, And he declared his independence. So I love seeing independence in Washington, D.C. that are not beholden to the two major parties. So bravo, Justin Amash. And I know you're under a lot of, you know, pressure, a lot of heat, but I love what you're doing here. And I want to read just a few excerpts here for the audience um, from his op-ed that he published in the Washington Post this morning, because there's some really good nuggets here. The first thing he said is modern politics is trapped in a partisan death spiral, but there is an escape. And he's right, because right now we've got grudge mode Republicans against grudge mode Democrats, and they're facing off and everything has become so highly partisan, so um, almost irrational that you, you end up having a lot of these you know, crazy policies coming out of Washington, such strong appeals to the extreme elements of each group, and just a lot of just reasonable approaches that are just being ignored or blown out of the water. Amash goes on to say, most Americans are not rigidly partisan and do not feel well represented by either of the two parties. In fact, the parties have, have become more partisan in part because they are catering to fewer people as Americans are rejecting party affiliation in record numbers. Bravo, Justin Amash. I'm with you there. I am independent. I am no party preference. I abandoned partisan politics long ago. I believe these two parties are not representative of the most of America. In fact, there are more people registered to vote as independent or no party preference than there are people registered as Republicans or if as there are people registered as Democrats. So the definitely the you know the plurality of voters are not in any one of the two parties. And Amash is great. Uh, he's right on the money here. People are not rigidly partisan. 
they can see, you know, it's almost like, um, you know, uh, Michael Smirconish on CNN. He always enjoys that song from Steelers Wheels. You know, clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. There are a tremendous number of independents that really don't have proper representation in Washington, D.C. So I love this in Justin Amash declaring his independence from the Republican Party. Amash goes on to say, but we owe it to future generations to stand up for our constitutional republic so that Americans may continue to live free for centuries to come. Preserving liberty means telling the Republican Party and the Democratic Party that we'll no longer let them play their partisan game at our expense. Oh, man, this this is awesome. This is so freaking sweet. Um, he is so right because the whole concept of the Constitution is largely to keep keep the government at bay to limit the power of the government so we can live freely. But what are we seeing? We're seeing the opposite of that, where government is becoming more and more powerful. And these two parties, Republicans and Democrats, are using it as a tool uh, to manipulate society for their own benefit. So Amash goes on to say, These are consequences of a mindset among the political class that loyalty to party, (laughs) that's huge, Um, that's the whole Trump thing going on right there, that loyalty to party is more important than serving the American people or protecting our governing institutions. The parties value winning for its own sake and at whatever cost. Instead of acting as an independent branch of government and serving as a check on the executive branch, congressional leaders of both parties expect the House and Senate to act in obedience or opposition to the president um, and their colleagues on a partisan basis. So, again, it's all about they, they draw firm lines. And if you're on Team Red or Team Blue and if you deviate, you're purged. And we're seeing this with his. Um, call for the impeachment of President Trump. You know, the party is coming out against him. Um, he and he's getting a tremendous amount of heat because he's not because he's not towing the line, because he's not declaring loyalty to a president he believes violates the principles of the Constitution. And of course, President Trump comes out, and this is his tweet this morning, and this is just so Trump, but it's just so ugly. Great news for the Republican Party as one of the dumbest and most disloyal men in Congress is quitting the party. No collusion, no obstruction. Knew, the, knew he couldn't get the nomination to run against in the great state of Michigan. Already be challenged for his seat. A total loser. Like, oh, my God. So this is, again, I've talked about Trump. The thing that I hate about him is how he sees the world as a win-lose game. And, you know, it's all about him winning and his opponents losing and him crushing other people where I want a president that wants to see a win-win outcome where we can cooperatively win together. But he's all about crushing his opponent and he's demeaning demeaning Amash as disloyal, and he's calling him dumb, ad hominem attacks from the president, where, in my opinion, Amash is the most fiercely consistent follower of the Constitution than just about anybody in Congress. And apparently that's dumb. So, um, again, 
I'm so, so pleased to see what Justin Amash is doing. He is showing huge bravery. You know, I talk about hashtag be braver. This is a massive move to be brave. I mean, so let me talk a little bit more about Justin Amash. He is my favorite congressman in D.C. Um, because he is just really sticks to his guns. Um, he's bold as he did when he declared that President Trump should be impeached um, as a Republican. He said that he's extraordinarily principled. Um, he sticks to what he believes is right. He sticks to the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, even if it gets him in trouble with his own party. And he's so amazingly transparent. He goes to social media and will explain his votes on why he voted one way or the other. And he always cites what's constitutional, what's not. What's the role of government, what's not. What's his role as a congressman and what is not. So he is not swayed by this, these emotions and swayed by this irrational partisanship. He sticks to what he took as his oath of office was to defend the Constitution of the United States. So I give him huge credit for this. Um, he uh, He's frequently been an outspoken critic, not just of his own party, but of the whole concept of a duopoly, of this Republican, Democrat, um, you know, the two parties that just dominate the government and dominate the policies and the rhetoric and and really a, a lot of what's happening in our society. And he calls them out for their malfeasance, for their unprincipled notions, for really the um, the policies they put forward that violate individual liberty. Now, what's what's going to happen with him? I'm still hopeful that he's going to continue running and win his congressional seat in 2020. Now, he was elected in 2010 when that whole wave of Tea Party uh, movement came forward. I mean, he was actually legitimately a guy calling for smaller government. But once he got into office, he actually helped found the Freedom Caucus in Washington, D.C. And it was all about reducing spending, reducing debt, um, you know, restricting the power of government. That's what a Liberty Caucus is supposed to represent, right? And then, of course, once Trump was elected, it was filled with all these Trump supporters. And now the Liberty Caucus represents total violations of liberty. Abash has come out demanding that they stick to the Constitution. And since he called for the um, impeachment of the president, the party censured, excuse me, the, the, the Liberty Caucus censured him. He quit the Liberty Caucus um, and now he's quitting the Republican Party. Um, but he is walking the walk here. He is now really following through on what he's always said, that the two parties are a disgrace and they're damaging America and they're damaging the founding principles that this nation was founded upon, life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. So, um, yeah, it, 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 it's. People are going to frame this like President Trump said, well, yeah, he quit. He quit the uh, Republican Party. Well, yeah, he did declare dependent independence from the party, but he didn't really leave the party. The party left him. 
Remember when Republicans used to claim that they were fiscally conservative. Republicans used to claim they were for the free market. Republicans claimed they were for small government. Republicans would claim they were for the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Republicans used to claim that they were for they were non-interventionists. They were against starting up all these crazy wars around the world. Republicans used to claim that they were for economic freedom and for individual liberty. These were these were the principles of the Republican Party. Amash still stands for those things, but the Republican Party has gone off the deep end. So who's quitting who? Um, so I think, Amash, you're doing a great thing for America. I, I also think that one of the things that makes Amash special and it, is that he, he is so consistent. Now, I've talked about Bernie Sanders. I'm not a fan of Bernie Sanders' policies, but I respect him. Because he is so consistent to his principles. And I think Amash very much the same way. And it takes a great degree of bravery to stick to your principles, even when you know the political winds are blowing against you. But he still does it. And I, I applaud him for that. Um, so how is this going to play out in his district? Is he going to have trouble winning? Um, you know, Now a fourth person has entered the race, a fourth Republican, to challenge Amash. Now, all these challengers are all you know, pro-Trump um, candidates. So what's going to happen? Originally, I was hoping he was going to be able to retain the nomination or retain the, uh, I guess, the, the primary vote. Um, so that he could go up against the Democrat in, in the um, general election. But now he's abandoned the party entirely. I'm still hopeful that he can retain his seat because I would love to see a congressman without an R and without a D next to his name instead an I for independent. I think that would be beautiful. But of course, there's a lot of rumblings that Amash may end up running for president against President Trump. Um, there's a lot of people in the liberty movement that are hopeful that um, Justin Amash will embrace the Libertarian Party and become a candidate. You know, it would be great if he did that. Um, I would love to see, by all means, I would love to see a a person like Justin Amash running for president. But the system is so rigged for these two corrupt parties, the Republicans and Democrats, he would have a tough go. In fact, it might even be harder for him to do that running for president than it would be to just retain his congressional seat as an independent. So I'm I'm very curious to see what happens. Um, I, I love the guy. He's got a number of options in front of him, and I'm going to support him no matter what. I mean, he's one of the few people in Washington, D.C. that I feel that I can be so supportive of because he's so principled and, in my opinion, principled for all the right reasons. He's principled for individual liberty and, and economic freedom and free markets and all the things that I enjoy talking about in this podcast. He is for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That's what Justin Amash is about. Now, it's funny, I've been on social media this morning and some of my um, more progressive friends, some of the Bernie guys are out there and they're kind of politely rooting for him to run for president because they're thinking if he is able to be on, uh, on the presidential ticket, maybe he can steal enough votes away in those Rust Belt states, you know, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Wisconsin, Michigan, maybe he can peel away just enough votes to swing those states back to the Democratic Party. Um, I think that's actually quite possible of an outcome. Now, I'm certainly not rooting for him to run for president for that reason, because 
as much as I dislike Trump, I certainly don't want one of those Democratic, you know, one of those 20 Democratic nominees to be elected either. Um, but you, you, hear, you see some Democrats, you know, they'll maybe be silently or quietly rooting for Amash for that very reason. So there's just so much drama, so much intrigue. But I love how Amash has declared his independence on Independence Day and basically telling the Republican Party, I've had enough of you guys. Uh, President Trump, I've had enough of you. So he's sticking to it and and he's going to have a battle on his hands, no doubt. Um, He won't have the luxury of having that large party apparatus behind him if he runs for his congressional seat. If he chooses to run for president, he's not going to have the system will be rigged against him. And so we'll see how this plays out. But it's just fascinating. And I'm a big supporter of uh, Justin Amash. So good for you. Um, All right. I just want to put this out to everybody. Um, If you're watching, you're listening, one way you could really help out is just subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, um, you can subscribe. You can even leave a review, especially on iTunes. The reviews there are so so helpful. You can leave up to five stars. You can write a sentence or a paragraph. I would really enjoy that if you could help out and leave a review uh, and be honest. To, you know, be critical. If, if you like what you see, you don't like what you see, just lay it out there. Reviews like that are helpful. I think they build credibility for the podcast, and um, I would enjoy your support. Okay, so moving on, it's Independence Day. And I, I really want to talk about um, what this day is about and what it means. And, and for me, it, it's funny. For the longest time, I've never been a real holiday guy. In fact, my family used to always kind of, you know, um, you know, kind of get on my case about it because I was never really a big Christmas person. You know, some people love Halloween. I'm not really big on Halloween. Um, You know, Thanksgiving is nice, but I've never been a big holiday guy. And then I started to think about it. Well, maybe I really should embrace a holiday. Maybe I should claim a holiday for my own. And I decided, you know, probably about 10 years ago, that was going to be Independence Day. For, you know, and I I mean by independence, first of all, I, I enjoy calling it Independence Day rather than the 4th of July. I mean, after all, we don't call Christmas the 25th of December. Um, But it's funny how that's always kind of in our minds. People just naturally say the 4th of July. But I've always thought of myself as being very independent minded. I love how Amash is declaring his independence. And so that idea of independence made sense to me. And so I was embracing it at that level. And I've always loved summer. Summer is by far my favorite season of the year. Um, Just love you know, the, the, the warmth and, and getting outdoors and, you know, it's baseball season. I, I, all the th- reasons why I love summertime and 4th of July is right in the wheelhouse there. Now, here I said it, 4th of July. Independence Day is right there in the wheelhouse of that whole summertime vibe. But, you know, really, as I've been exploring on a deeper level, you know, philosophical issues, political issues, this whole idea of of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness just really means so much to me. And I think the Declaration of Independence, if you think about it, is just an amazing document in world history. I want to read for you the the preamble of the Declaration of Independence. I want to break this down because this is really powerful. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, 
and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Now, think about this. This was in 1776. This was written. This is a mind-blowing philosophical position. It is an incredible moral foundation for the beginning of a country. I mean, back then, nations were ruled by kings and by despots and dictators. And and this was a nation that was being built for the people and that people had rights, which is just incredible. I mean, it sounds, and we take it for granted to a degree today in 2019, but roll the clock back to to 1776, this is like a big collective sort of fu to the rest of Europe and of European rule and King George and and all of this tyranny. It was fantastic, um, and this was all done during you know during this sort of age of enlightenment. This was a big thing during that era where philosophers like John Locke were you know pushing forward these revolutionary new ideas and. During this time, the Age of Enlightenment included ideas centered on reason, on thinking rationally, um, and as the primary source of knowledge, reason. Okay, that meant that we as individuals, we could think and act and, and work in our own, our own rational self-interest. And during the Age of Enlightenment, these ideals were put forward that, you know, ideals like liberty, progress, toleration, fraternity, constitutional government, separation of church and state, some really powerful ideals that were at the foundation of the founding of this nation. And these are just so important. Um, and, and I really want to just break down this preamble in, in a little more detail and comment on each piece of it. So it starts off with, we hold these truths to be self-evident. So they're saying, what we're about to tell you is obvious. If you think about it, if you use reason, these things are obvious. And we're just going to state them for the record. That all men are created equal. That that means that we're equal under God, if you want to think of it from a, um, a, a, a spiritual perspective. That we're all equal under the law. And that we're all equal in rights. That's what that means. That all men are created equal. Now, of course, you know, people are born in a different family circumstances. But from a governmental perspective, we are all equal. Now, this says that all men are created equal, not just Americans. And when they say men, they mean everybody. I mean, men means men and women when it's used in this context. But you hear a lot of times people that are... um, let's say, in opposition to, you know, immigration. And, and But those immigrants at the border, they have these same inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, but we're putting them in cages. I mean, think about that. Um, all men are created equal, not just Americans. And even... Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., he, he stood up for these principles when he was fighting for civil rights. So it's not just that whites have these rights. Blacks, everybody, all men are created equal. It's a very, very powerful statement to make because back prior to 1776, there was an aristocracy, there was a king. They had different rights than, you know, the the, the people that were, were you know, the, the 99% of the rest of the population, they had a different set of rights. And so here we're saying we all are created equal. 
and that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. So unalienable rights. First of all, unalienable means they can't be taken away. And some people say these are rights that come from God. That's one way to look at it. Another way to look at it is that they're natural rights. And you'll see that term used that, you know, when we're born, we have the right to speak and to move. And and we don't necessarily have to ask permission to do that. We just, that's just, it's inbred in us. As humans, we have those rights. We have the right to think, the rights to move, the rights to speak. Um, And and I think it's also important to say that because these rights don't come from the government. They're naturally built into us. That, again, another mind-blowing concept because back you know, in the day, even today, people think that the government gives you the right. No, you are, you are born with these rights. Only thing the government can do is either protect them or take them away. Um, and we're seeing a little bit of both today in society or maybe a lot of both. Um, and then they – so that they are endowed by the creator with certain unalienable rights – that among these are, okay, that doesn't say these are the only rights, but these are some of them, and these are the, the more important ones. And, and they are life, okay, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So when it says you have an unalienable right to life, what does that mean? Well, it means that you own your life. You are not the property of a king or anyone else. Your life is your own to live according to your own values. You own your life. That's what that means. Now, let's also be real here. In 1776, there was slavery. Obviously, slavery, a complete violation of these rights. We understand the context of history, and there was the battle between the North and the South on these rights. There were many abolitionists, even during the time of the Declaration of Independence, that didn't want slavery to exist in America because they violated these rights and political compromises were made. And we can judge those as positive or negative. Um, But what the point I'm trying to make here is, is that the founders on these notes, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, they got it right. They got the right ideals, the right moral framework for for this nation. The implementation of those ideas has been a struggle. And we can look at slavery, we can look at um, uh, women's suffrage, we can look at a whole civil rights, we, we can go through a whole list of issues where over time we're struggling to get this model right. But the founders did, they set the right framework. And I give them huge credit for this. That's why I say this is such a moral document. It is it is really about establishing a set of values that makes America what it is. In my opinion, this is what makes America great, is this moral underpinning of the founding of our nation. So life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. We have an unalienable right to liberty. So what does that mean? It means that you're free to choose for yourself. Because you own your own life, you can make decisions about your own self. Um, You should be free from coercion from other people, not just the government, but but from also other individuals. That's why you shouldn't be a victim of murder or assault or rape. But at the same time, the government, you shouldn't be oppressing you. Now, remember, this is during the time when government was ruled by kings. At that time, it was King George, right? And 
And there was tremendous tyranny, tremendous oppression of the colonists. And they're saying, the heck with that. You have liberty to live your life as you wish. You have the liberty just to be left alone without being manipulated by all of these powerful forces that are trying to coerce you, whether they be in the public sphere or in the private sphere. And you have an inalienable right to the pursuit of your own happiness. Now, it doesn't say that you have a right to happiness because that would be just impossible. But it says you have a right to pursue your own happiness. That means that you have a right to make your life everything you want it to be. You have a right to go out there and flourish and to really go out there and make it happen. It doesn't mean you're going to be successful. Uh, you look at all of our lives. We're all in our own ways pursuing our own happiness. But life is a struggle. Life is a challenge. And we work our way through that. But imagine if we didn't have the right to do that. Imagine if you were not allowed to pursue your own happiness, but you were dictated by a more powerful authority that you had to live your life this way. And that we were all subjects of the state. The, the, the founders are saying, you know, like I said, they're saying F you to that concept. They're saying that you have the right to your own life. You have the right to your liberty and the ability to pursue your own happiness. And this is just so beautiful. And then it goes on in the um, preamble that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the government. Or Consent of the governed, excuse me. So what this means is, is that government's role is to secure individual rights. That's why government exists, you know, from a, from a police perspective to protect us against murder and rape. And, and if those kinds of violations of individual rights occur, then that's the role of government to prosecute those people, which makes sense, right? Um, but it's saying also that it's, it's the primary goal of government is to secure these, those individual rights. Some people think that should be its only role of government is to secure those individual rights. And I personally happen to be in that camp. And that's what Justin Amash preaches as well. And he said this in his op-ed today in the Washington Post. He said, growing up, I thought a lot about the brilliance of America. Our country's founders established a constitutional republic uniquely dedicated to securing the rights of the people. I mean, this is a really, really big deal. Um, but if you pay attention and you look around our rights, our individual rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are, are really under threat. And they're under threat from both parties and their coercive policies they're putting forward. I, I commented on the Democratic debates in my previous podcast, how a lot of those candidates want the president to act without Congress. I mean, Kamala Harris talked about that. If Congress doesn't act on my policies, then I'm going to do it myself um, using executive power. And again, that's a violation of the Constitution, a violation of three co-equal branches of government, a violation of checks and balances. You see that from the Democrats. You see a lot of these policies from Democrats that want to violate your liberty, that want to coerce you into these um, systems like Medicare for all, for example. Medicare for all means the government has a monopoly on the healthcare insurance industry. Now, say what you will about our existing uh, healthcare system in, in many ways is, is a big, big problem. 
But if you're telling people you have to buy health care insurance from the government and you're not allowed to buy from anybody else, and a lot of these presidential candidates from the Democratic side are proposing that, then how is that consistent with liberty if you're forced to buy? And then on the other side, you know, from the Republicans, now you're seeing there, you, you know, travel bans. You're not allowed to enter this country. Um, you're seeing, you know, again, I cited the concentration camps at the border. How is that, you know, separation of families, locking children up, locking people up in these concentration camps, not giving them due process habeas corpus rights? How is that consistent with having a right to their own life, having a right to liberty? And having a right to pursue their own happiness. I mean, I I talk about my own ancestors and I've been doing my own research on family history and ancestry.com, which, by the way, I'm loving that great project. But my ancestors came to America to pursue their own happiness. They came here poor. They came here uneducated. But they were welcomed here. You know, give us your poor and huddled masses. Um, But. We used to, as a nation, in many ways, stand up for these rights. Now, granted, again, I've talked about it. in other ways, historically, we violated those rights with, you know, especially amongst blacks and and the Chinese when they were here, they were oppressed. So there has been a lot of inconsistency. But the idea is right. The idea that we have a right to our own life is right. But we're seeing these rights under attack by both the Republicans and the Democrats. And that's why it's so awesome that Justin Amash is saying, screw you guys, I'm going to be independent. And I love that. I, I absolutely just love that. Um, so there, you know, I talk about this podcast is my framework is life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, right? That's the higher purpose. And and I like that because from a lot of, it gives me the flexibility to do a lot of different things. Sometimes I'm talking about liberty, like I am right now on Independence Day, when the United States declared themselves free um, from the coercion of King George. Beautiful moment, not just in American history, but in the history of humankind. Um, 1776, just a remarkable time in, in history. I mean, think about it. I'm on a little bit of a tangent here, but for the whole course of humankind prior to 1776, the vast majority of people were poor. The the kings and the aristocrats, the the tiny top 1% had all the wealth and everybody else had virtually nothing. Everybody else was barely eking out a way to live their life. You know, a lot of them lived on farms, eating what they were able to grow. Children were often dying prior to the age of 10, um, there was a tremendous amount of oppression and poverty. Until 1776, two things happened. And the, that both were um, about liberty. The first thing that happened, of course, was the Declaration of Independence, the founding of America, the embracement of liberty, although imperfect and has been getting better. In some ways. And the other thing that happened in 1776 was the publishing of A Wealth of Nations by Adam Smith, which largely spoke to free markets. And when we and what happened since 1776, we have seen a rise in the standard of living of humans all around the world. We are seeing the most dramatic 
decline and extreme poverty around the world. Um, We're seeing wealth rise for some more than others, but overall wealth rising dramatically. And it started in 1776 when people were allowed to live freely. Again, not perfectly free. I understand the inconsistencies, but this is when the idea started to get hold. And then that's when we saw the rise of the United States. Um, and the wealth that was recreated, the industry, the um, the economy became so strong and so remarkable that that immigrants from all around the world, including my own ancestors, flocked to America. They came here with nothing in their pockets, but they came here because they thought they had the right to live a life of freedom, a life of liberty, where they could pursue their own happiness. And they could they could actually experience the American dream. And many, so many people came here and have built wonderful things for themselves and for their ancestors down the line. I'm one of those. Maybe you're one of those. So I think this is a beautiful thing. And I want to share this this quote here, and because I, I think this sums up a lot of this idea. And this is from Ayn Rand, you know, who is uh, the writer of Atlas Shrugged and, and the Fountainhead. Um, and I think this is particularly interesting because we're hearing a lot of this notion of make America great again and the nationalism of, you know, from Trump and the Republicans. But Rand had a unique angle to this that I think is very special. And she said, this is the key and the only key to the problem of national unity. If men seek peaceful coexistence, they must accept the principle that every man has rights which other men may not infringe, that he has the right to exist for his own sake and to pursue his own happiness, that he is an end in himself, not the means in the ends of others, not of any others, big or small, strong or weak, neither as cat and fodder nor as unrewarded drone toiling to support the fuel lord or the king or the emperor." And she got it right. This is what makes America great, is our inalienable rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And if we respect those rights, then that means that we can live in a peaceful coexistence with everybody. And really, isn't that one of the things that we want? Is peaceful coexistence, the right to live our life as we choose, and to pursue the values that we believe are important. Um, And really, the Declaration of Independence provides that moral framework. So I think it's just beautiful. Um, And I hope you embrace this higher purpose of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And I'll continue to talk about this in the podcast. Sometimes I talk about it from a political perspective or a philosophical perspective. But sometimes I just enjoy learning about other people's lives and how they are pursuing their own happiness. And so many of my guests that have been on this podcast have shared their stories and they're wonderful. They're beautiful. This is what makes America great. Not just some goofy red trucker hat um, that's made in China, ironically. Um, It's, uh, I, I just really wish that we can get to this point of understanding these ideals. But unfortunately, both political parties are trying to tear us down. So again, kudos to Justin Amash. Wow. Okay. Um, Hey, if you want to follow me on social media, 
I often talk about it. I got the Facebook page, John Riley Project. I have the special Facebook page, the secret Facebook page, the John Riley Project Insiders Group. You can request permission to join. Um, I let everybody in. Um, you got to answer a couple of questions. And there I have bonus content. When I'm out on the road, I share some stories, some thoughts, and those are like usually four to eight minutes, little podcasts. Um, I shared one recently about my 15-year anniversary of being a self-employed person. Again, independence. Um, and uh, I encourage you to join me there. And we have some more in-depth conversation with some of the uh, fans of this podcast. And I love the discussion. I love the conversation. And even if you agree with me, disagree with me, I love the respectful interchange. And we have that there. So please join us. And of course, you can always follow me on Twitter. My handle is John Riley Poway. I'm often tweeting there about sports and politics and a whole bunch of other things. And then on Instagram, I'm trying to get more into Instagram. I've got to get I got to start doing Instagram stories. That's my next frontier. Um, but uh, you can follow me there as well. OK, the, the good, the bad and the ugly. And there's a couple of people I want to talk about, some comments. The first in the good column um, the passing away of Lee Iacocca. And, um, you know, many people know him as the father of the Ford Mustang. Many people know him as the CEO of Chrysler. During the 1980s, you know, he went to the government, got the government to bail him out, and then he was able to take, with the government's help, take government from uh, bank, take Chrysler from near bankruptcy and made him sufficient. I, no, I wasn't a fan of that by any means. Um, I'm not a fan of corporate welfare or bailing out large corporations. But I will say this. I have a personal story about Lee Iacocca, and I shared a little bit of this on Twitter. So in 1987, uh, I was uh, graduating from UC San Diego, and my degree um, is in mathematics and computer science. And I have enjoyed the degree. I was liking it. And I was good, you know, as a computer programmer. I wasn't great. I wasn't sure if this was really what I wanted to do. I, I was in college. I, Heck, I'm 54. I still don't know what I want to do. Um, but I um, had been doing, you know, the on-campus interviews where they come on campus and those went well. And I was invited back in 1987 to fly up to Silicon Valley really before it was the real Silicon Valley and an interview with GTE, which is a telecom company, but they had a division that was doing defense contracting. And I had experience as a Fortran 77 programmer, not just in college, but I had an internship in Sorrento Valley in San Diego with Logicon and had done a lot of Fortran programming. And so they wanted to hire me. I went up there for the interview and everything was great. But when I left the San Diego airport, I was, you know, roaming around. I figure I need a book to read. And I remember Lee Iacocca was in the news quite a bit then. So I picked up his autobiography and I read it and it changed my life. I mean, it really did because here I am, I'm at a point where I'm not sure what I really wanted to do. And Lee Iacocca had a similar experience. You know, he went, he was from Michigan, if I recall. Um, and he always wanted to work in the automotive industry. And I can't remember what his undergraduate degree was, but he went up and got a master's degree from Lehigh University. And I think it was in engineering. I'm not sure what discipline of engineering. And then he went to work at, at Ford. And he was spending a great deal of his energy designing a little spring that went inside a carburetor of one of the Ford vehicles. And he was doing it and he, he knew he was good at it 
and he was enjoying it to a degree, but he felt kind of isolated. You know, here he is, uh, an engineer, and he was working on this teeny, tiny little piece of a larger car. And meanwhile, he was checking the news of a lot of his, um, you know, the news of his company and what was going on. And he noticed that a lot of the people that were in senior management had largely come up either through finance or through sales. And here he was in engineering and he had aspired to be a leader in the corporate world. And so he made a decision to abandon his um, discipline of engineering and to really pursue a degree or pursue a career in sales. And he worked his way up, you know, to, again, to being the the father of the Ford Mustang and one of the, the biggest spokesmen for Ford Motor Company and later to be the president and CEO of Chrysler. And here I am, I'm like 22 years old and not sure what I want to do. And I'm going for this interview in, in the Bay Area. And I grew up in the Bay Area, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to move back. This was in was either Sunnyvale or Mountain View. And I started reading this book and it changed everything. And meanwhile, I had friends of mine that decided to pursue um, you know, careers in sales because of all the, the training that comes along with it. And it opened up my eyes. And, and as a result, I, instead of going into a career of engineering, I went into a career in the sales industry, in sales in the computer industry. And I set myself off on a completely different trajectory for my life. You know, Pete Neal is on this podcast frequently. We talk about eureka moments. This was a eureka moment for me. And, and I, I love it. I mean, I've, it's put me on course and my, my life is wonderful as a result of all of this. I could look back on it, hindsight, and say, wow, if I had moved it to the Silicon Valley in 1987, who knows? I might have been the founder of eBay. <laughs> who knows? Um, you never can tell. But um, uh, this, this book changed my life and changed it in a really positive way. It made me find um, a career track that I really enjoyed, and, and the rest is history. So I have a great deal of... Um, I guess, you know, Lee Iacocca has a sort of a special place in my heart because of that. So anyways, rest in peace, Lee Iacocca. He passed away at the age of 94, lived a great, long, full life. He also invented the cup holder in the Chrysler minivan, or, or one of his team members did. Innovation, right? <laughs> okay, so uh, let's go to the bad. This is the good, bad, and the ugly. In the bad column, here's some Poway news. The Poway Unified School District just approved their budget, and those turkeys still cannot balance their budget. Um, you know, they, they had been depleting their reserves. Um, they were facing, I think it was a $11 million deficit and they worked it down to only, I think a $5 million deficit. And I'm thinking this is a fantastic economy. Revenues into the state of California should be strong. Why are you operating in a deficit? And it's still, it's because they won't take the necessary action to reduce employee headcount or affect the compensation plans of the employees. Now, if you're an employee, that's great. But if you're a taxpayer, we're seeing dwindling reserves. We're seeing continued deficits. There's still a structural deficit at the Poway Unified School District. There is an overall deficit, even in a strong economy, um, and they cut no positions. 
because the the school board gets the endorsements from the unions and they pay back the unions by protecting their jobs and protecting their compensation plan and they don't protect the interest of taxpayers. Next year's budget is forecast to have an $18 million budget deficit. Are they going to be able to correct that one? What happens when our economy goes into a recession? As many believe that it will. The reserves have been depleted to only 10% of their operating budget. That's all they've got in the bank. And revenues are going to sharply decline if there was, if a recession comes in place. So school board, in my opinion, is not acting in the best interest of taxpayers. I'm very, very disappointed. Um, so that news just came out recently. Another one in the bag column is Frederica Wilson, and she is a Democrat congressperson from the state of Florida. Um, she just made some outrageous comments that really go against the notion of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So she, like many other, uh, especially Democratic Congress people are doing, are going to these concentration camps on the border and witnessing the, the horror firsthand. I credit her for doing that, for getting out of her district, out of D.C., and seeing what's actually occurring. But she made this comment that, in my opinion, is the biggest affront to the First Amendment and free speech. She said, those people who are online making fun of members of Congress are a disgrace, and there is no need for anyone to think that that is unacceptable. We're going to shut them down and work with whoever it is to shut them down, and they should be prosecuted. Oh, my God. Think about that. She wants to prosecute people that are saying bad things about people in Congress. Oh, my God. Well, right away, maybe I need to be arrested if that's the case. This nation is founded on the basis of our unalienable rights of life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. That means we have a right to free speech. The whole point of free speech is to say things that are not popular and not be thrown in jail. The whole point of free speech is to be able to say things that are critical of our leaders and not be thrown in jail. That's what happened in Nazi uh, Germany. That's what happened with people. You go back across history when protesters spoke out against the government, they were thrown in jail or they were shot and killed. We don't need to go back to that. People should have the right to speak freely. It doesn't mean you need to agree with them. But sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. So this was terrible. I have it in the bag column. So Frederica Wilson, congresswoman from the state of Florida, you're in the bag column. Um, and I, I was very disappointed to see that. And then in the ugly, well, who else could it be but President Trump and his Independence Day parade, the 4th of July parade in um, in, in Washington, D.C. And, you know, I understand the whole idea of celebrating America and our birthday. That makes sense. But we're talking about bringing in military um, equipment, military personnel. This is what, you know, the communist leaders did. This is what you know, Kim does in North Korea. This is what these despots do in parading around their military. And now suddenly America is starting to do that. Um, now, granted, I know it's not a parade with the military weapons, but they're still on display. And it's still, in my opinion, um, it's representative of the tyranny that we were fighting against, you know, massive, strong government rule from King George now we're falling into that same trap. And in my opinion, it's largely to, to fill the president's ego. 
what, what he doesn't understand is that tanks are not what makes us a great and powerful nation. What we do, what we as individuals do, that's what makes us great. What our parents did, what our grandparents did, what our ancestors did that came from all over the world to the United States, what immigrants did, that's what makes America great. Not these tanks. Those tanks are a representation of, they're a tool of destruction. They're not a tool of lifting people up. They're a tool of tearing people down. They're a tool of threats. And I, 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 to me, this is, this is awful. So someone shared this on social media, but I thought this was terrific. And they said, to anyone that says it can't happen here, now we have concentration camps, military parades, a state propaganda network, and there are multiples of those. Women's health is criminalized. The rule of law is suspended. Courts are stacked with extremists. Nepotism on the international stage. Oh, my God. We saw diplomat Barbie, Barbie um, Ivanka Trump, trying to engage with world leaders. I mean, it's just disgraceful. The media attacked as the enemies of the people. When we should be calling for a free and open press, now, now the government is attacking the media. We're seeing so much of a violation of the founding values and principles that I've commented on throughout this podcast that really what make America great. And instead, we're seeing, my goodness, I mean, rule of law suspended. I mean, the president has done enough to be brought forward for impeachment. He has met those qualifications per the Mueller report. And when people speak out for that, they are ostracized and they are um, uh, booted for their disloyalty. And that's what we're seeing with Justin Amash, which is awful. So what we're seeing this parade in many ways is supposed to be a celebration of America's birthday. But if you look at it from a different lens, you're going to see that in many ways it's a violation of our individual rights of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And that's clearly in the ugly column. Okay, so I'm getting near the end. If you're enjoying this podcast, what can you do? If you want to support it, what are the things that you can do? Well, first of all, this is episode 61. You can listen, watch, uh, listen to or watch any of these podcast episodes, but share them with a friend. Um, I post these on my uh, Facebook page, The John Riley Project. You can share them. You can... Um, you know, comment and forward them to other people. Or if you just happen to be talking to a friend, you're at a dinner party, maybe you're at a barbecue today on the 4th of July and you start talking about issues. Hey, there's a guy in Poway. His name's John Riley. He's got this podcast, The John Riley Project. You should check it out. It's about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So please share this with a friend. I'd really appreciate that. Um, and uh, if you're going to share with a friend, it's, it'd be fun. Pick maybe two friends you think would be receptive to this message, but pick someone that you know wouldn't be receptive and and see what they might think. You, you might be able to open up some eyes or at least create some interesting dialogue. Um, you can always follow on social media. You can go to my website, John Riley Project. You can sign up on the email list. If you'd like to financially donate, we would love your support. If you're a business and you'd like to be a sponsor, there's a way that you can get involved there. And that's all at the website, John Riley Project. Dot com. Okay, so we're at the end, and I always like to end with a closing quote, but today I've got two. And two, um, one from my favorite uh, congressman in Washington, D.C., Justin Amash, and another one from a person that I respect greatly, who's Ron Paul. So from Congressman Justin Amash, I follow a set of principles, 
I follow the Constitution, and that's what I base my votes on. Limited government, economic freedom, and individual liberty. Bravo, Justin Amash. He, he, not only when he makes his votes, he will explain his votes on social media within the context of the Constitution and of liberty. It's beautiful what he does. Most congressmen will hide when they vote or they won't, they're, they'll, they'll only vote present or they won't even um, want to be on record. Amash is fully transparent on record, has a strong set of principles and explains his vote. And his principles are beautiful. They're about individual liberty, economic freedom, the Constitution, and the Bill of Rights. So uh, I love this guy. All right. And, And then from Ron Paul, and this is a beautiful one for today as well. Ron Paul, of course, the former presidential candidate um, and also a former congressman from the state of Texas. As we gather with family and friends to celebrate the July 4th holiday, we should remember that we are not celebrating the state, but rather commemorating an act of secession from an oppressive government. Bravo, Ron Paul. Love that guy. So um, this concludes Episode 61 of the John Riley Project. It's July 4th, 2019. It's Independence Day. I wish you all well, and I wish you a great holiday that you are able to share with your friends and family. And I'm out of here, going to go catch my son's baseball game and make it a great day. See you later, folks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 